Hey, everybody. Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm David Novak, and I'm back again here with the cool Kula Callahan. Hi, Kula. How you doing? I'm so great, and it never gets old hearing that intro, honestly. Never gets old. (laughs) In today's Three More Questions episode, we're doing a deeper dive into the conversation that you had with last week's podcast guest, Bill Harrison, who is the former chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And the big idea from that episode was that you need to be intentional about preparing the next leader. And I hate to say it, but a lot of companies, uh, they're really on their back foot when it comes to succession planning. Is that what you've noticed as well, David? Uh, yeah, I think that that happens in a lot of places, where, particularly where you have insecure leaders who are more concerned about really protecting their job versus grooming someone to take their job. But, you know, the really great leaders are confident enough to know that there's always going to be a place for them. And their job is to make sure that they get ready for people to replace them as they move up in the world or or out or wherever they want to go to pursue their next opportunity. And I mean, we're not technically into the three more questions yet, but I'm curious, how do you make that shift from insecure leader who isn't maybe very equipped to prepare the next person to confident leader who believes in the future of their business? Well, I think confident comes from from racking up great results over time. It's not something that you're going to get when you come straight out of college or you know just after you get your master's or, or wherever you happen to go to school. I think it really comes from time and grade, putting some wins on the board. That gives you the confidence. When you have those wins on the board, guess what happens? You get the opportunity to lead other people. You go from being just an individual contributor, you go to, to becoming a leader of other people and you're able to build your team. And then I think it's really important for you to, to really realize that you got that job for a reason. You're, you're ready for it. You're qualified. And now your job is to develop the people under you. And that's always the best way to get the best results because once people know you care about them, uh, they're going to care about you and they're going to get the best possible uh, uh, productivity from their position. That's exactly right. And I love learning from you about that very topic. And I've loved learning from Bill Harrison and the conversation you had with him last week. And uh, without further ado, we're going to dive right into this week's episode of Three More Questions. Are you ready, David? I'm ready. Fire away. All right. Question number one. Early in his career, Bill went from managing 13 people at a bank to managing 1,300 people at a bank. He was only 33 years old, and he was glad that the bank he was working for took a chance on him at such a young age. I'm curious, David, what's an experience that you had early in your career in which you felt like someone took a risk on you, and what did you learn from that? Well, before I started working for PepsiCo, I worked in the advertising agency business on the Frito-Lay account at an agency called Tracy Locke. And Frito-Lay was by far and away the, the biggest account in the agency. And it was very, very important to us that we make that client very happy and, and keep them in the fold. When I was 27 years old, my boss, Howard Davis, made me the management supervisor on that account. I was in charge of the biggest advertising account in the agency, you know, almost $30 million in billings. And you know, I got to tell you, that took a lot of courage on his part to give someone as, as young as me that opportunity. But I have to tell you, at the same time, you know, it really made me step up. You know, I had to increase my maturity level. 
I had to to make sure that I gave the people that I work with the right kind of coaching so that they succeed. And there was a lot of trauma in my life back then because, you know, I, I felt a lot of pressure to perform. But that pressure to perform, I think, really helped me uh, develop as a leader. And how about you, Cool? I mean, when did you have a coach, you know, really uh, give you some confidence or give you more than you thought maybe you could handle at the time? It's so funny. I remember it so vividly. I had just started working at a company called StoryBrand. I was about 24 years old. And at that time, our team was really small and we needed facilitators to go out into companies and lead teams of executives and leadership teams of other companies through our framework in a workshop setting. And I remember one of our facilitators was already out on the road doing a workshop and we had booked another workshop and needed another facilitator. And my boss came to me at the time and said, cool, you're going to go lead this workshop. It's a room full of 30 CEOs. They're all running financial planning businesses and you're going to lead the workshop. And I remember saying, but I'm only 24. They're just going to look at me like I'm stupid and not take me seriously. And he said, Kula, that's a lie. And I need you to not believe that anymore. And that moment was, I just remember it all the time whenever I doubt myself or have a shred of you know lack of confidence. But I think him saying that to me and putting me in that position forced me to kind of like you said, build the courage and confidence to lean on what I knew I was good at and perform at a high level. And it was really myself getting in my own way that prevented me from kind of stepping into those positions and stepping into those experiences with the confidence that I knew that I I could, you know, go out and deliver. And so from that point on, I thought, okay, just because I'm young doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about. Just because I'm young doesn't mean that uh, people aren't going to take me seriously. If I put in the work and prepare and know that I can deliver, then I'm going to have the authority that I need to build trust with people and get them to follow me, really. So it was then that that I kind of moved more into speaking and facilitating and uh, just something that I've continued to develop since then. Well, you know, we all need somebody to believe in us more than we even believe in ourselves. And, and the sooner you can find that kind of leader, the more blessed you are. Absolutely. Question number two. Bill famously orchestrated the merger between Chase and J.P. Morgan, which was a, a huge deal. And yet he got a lot of criticism for that deal. Was there a time in your career where you had to orchestrate a big deal like that that you got criticized for? And how did you manage that process and get through it? Early on at Young Brands, one of our major strategies was multi-branding, where we could combine two restaurants into one. For example, we would take Taco Bell and put that in a KFC or, or take a KFC and put it into a Taco Bell. And we would grow our volumes four or $500,000 overnight. And this seemed like a, a really big opportunity for us. The problem was because of territorial uh, restrictions and, and, and other issues that we had with franchisees. We needed to have more opportunities. So I went out and, and with my team, we acquired Long John Silver and A&W, two brands that would get us in the fish business and the hamburger business, also give us the dessert with the root beer float. And, and you know, this was going to be a, a great way that we could take the multi-branding strategy and drive it further across the organization. The problem was is that there were a lot of franchisees who just didn't want to have any other brand in their Taco Bell or in their KFC. And, you know, they were not behind it. And we never really could get traction with those two brands, no matter how hard we tried. And I ended up having to sell them 
And, you know, sometimes when you make a big, bold move to try to really accelerate your growth, you'll make a mistake. And in this case, you know, we were growing our business so well that we were able to put that acquisition behind us and move on. But the fact of the matter is, is I got a little criticism when I did that deal. And you know what? People were right. <laughs> you know, my friends and I call them the Kentaco Huts. And I've been to k- several Kentaco Huts back in my day. They're Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut all in one. And I thought they were pretty epic. Well, they, they are epic. And, you know, consumers actually loved them. But the real problem came from execution. And when you make an acquisition, you got to make sure that the people are going to really embrace the execution of the idea that you had. Because on paper, it made a ton of sense. When you got into the reality of running that restaurant, it was much more complex and and our franchisees just didn't want to do it. Question number three. Bill talks a lot about how relieved and happy he was when he found his successor, Jamie Dimon. And it almost seems counterintuitive to me, a great CEO being happy about having someone take his job. How did you prepare your successor at Yum Brands? And what do you have to say to other leaders who are preparing people to take over? Well, one of the things I did, cool is I really wrote down all the things that I thought a CEO ought to be able to do. And then what I did is I then created the career path for what I thought were our highest potential leaders that would get those experiences where they could be tested on, let's say, marketing, operations, financial know-how, you know, I had a number of things that I really felt were, were critically important. And then I assessed leaders on their ability to do that. And then we put a group of people at different levels in the organization that we could say, hey, ultimately that person could become a CEO someday. And then we did everything we could to develop them and to grow them. And one of the things I'm really uh, pleased about is that, you know, I've had over 20 leaders go on to be CEOs of other companies outside of Yum which, you know, really gives me a great deal of pride. For example, the CEO at Chipotle, CEO at Panera Bread, and the CEO at Kraft Heinz all worked at Yum Brands, and I developed each one of them to take on more responsibility. But the person that took my job was Greg Creed. He did the job for five years and did extremely well. And uh, the person that's in the job now is David Gibbs, who I've worked with for well over 20 years, and he's a very talented person. And it's great to see how these people come in, take a look at what you've done, and they have fresh eyes, they find new unfinished business that needs to be tackled, and they go after it. But the most important thing that any leader can do, particularly a CEO, is make sure that they leave their company in good hands. David, what really stands out to me is going through that exercise of defining what makes a great leader and what will make a great successor, and then really calling that out in the people in your organization and saying, hey, I've seen you demonstrate these skills and these qualities. I believe that you would be a great leader at this level. How can I help you continue to develop so that maybe one day you can take over my job? This can happen at every level in the organization. It doesn't just have to be the CEO. So if you've got a director position or a VP position, you name it, you should have a clear expectation of what skills that person has to have before they take on that job. And we like to think about people in terms of having being smart with heart. You know, we wanted to have people have all that technical skills that you needed to have, but we wanted people to have that heart to go along with it. And, uh, you know, one without the other is, was unacceptable. 
Thanks again for tuning in to How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time each and every week with us, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. Okay, everybody, we'll see you on Thursday on my next conversation with Guy Raz, the host and creator of two wildly popular podcasts, How I Built This and Wisdom from the Top. He is not only a leader in the podcast business, he is creating his own businesses in that arena of communications, and you'll see how he is an entrepreneur. So you're going to love this one. 